we're a country, food waste will be the third largest source of greenhouse gas emissions after the USA and China. So it's an absolutely enormous problem. You're listening to Hope Act Thrive by Be The Future, an inspirational podcast for guardians of the next generation who want to nurture heroic leaders for environmental change. Just like you, we want to create a better, greener, fairer future for the kids in our life. Hi, I'm Sally Giblin, an environmentalist, writer, and parent, and co-host of this podcast, alongside the brilliant Helen Hill. Hi, I'm Helen, and I'm an educator, author, and designer. Hello, and welcome to the Hope Act Thrive podcast. Today's episode is with Tessa Clark, co-founder and CEO of Olio, an app that exists to tackle the problem of waste in our homes by connecting people with their neighbours so surplus food and other household items can be given away, not thrown away. Olio has 5 million users who have collectively saved 25 million portions of food and 3 million other household items and has been recognised by the United Nations as a beacon for the world. In this conversation, we'll talk about the problems of food waste and consumption, the role of individuals in solving these problems, and how Olio got started. So let's get into it. Welcome to the podcast, Tessa. Thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. So you've been someone we have been very keen to speak with, Tessa, because, you know, we're both aware how much of a problem food waste is and how much we all have, you know, some real potential to be part of the solution. So it is one of the biggest problems facing society today. And I'd love you to to take us through really why food waste is such a big problem. Yeah, it's often really surprising to people to think that anything to do with food um, is a problem and and food waste it seems so natural doesn't it and so how can that be such a big problem unfortunately it is for a couple of reasons so globally a third of all the food we produce each year gets thrown away and that is worth over a trillion us dollars alongside that we have 800 million people who go to bed hungry every night and they could be fed on just one quarter of the food that we waste in the Western world. And as if all that weren't bad enough, uh, the environmental impact of food waste is absolutely devastating. So if it were to be a country, food waste would be the third largest source of greenhouse gas emissions after the USA and China. And the reason for that is because a land mass larger than China is used every single year to grow food that's never eaten. So that is land that has been deforested, species that are being driven to extinction, indigenous populations that are being displaced, soil that's being degraded. One quarter of humanity's fresh water is used to grow food that's never eaten. And then that food goes on this enormously long supply chain, which is very resource and carbon intensive. And unfortunately, when a third of all that food ends up being thrown away, the vast majority of it goes to landfill. And when food decomposes without access to oxygen, it creates methane, which is over 25 times more deadly than CO2. And so that's why, if it were to be a country, food waste would be the third largest source of greenhouse gas emissions after the USA and China. So it's an absolutely enormous problem. Absolutely immense. And I think just 
hearing so many of those staggering statistics all bundled on top of each other yeah, it just I did a bit overwhelming isn't it <laughs> well I think it's like a lot of things in the environmental space although this is obviously an issue that stretches across so many dimensions and um and I guess the thing is so so Tessa what do you find in terms of people you know starting to understand and appreciate more about food waste and, and really you know feeling like this is a problem that needs tackling what do you find people generally most respond to? What kind of motivates them to start taking action? Well, I think most people are really shocked when they discover that a landmass larger than China is used every year to grow food that's never eaten. That seems to be the statistic that really makes people stop and think. And also what we find is most people just have this sort of moral belief that food should be eaten, not thrown away. It's really hard to actually find someone who thinks that food waste is a great thing. So just on a very human fundamental level, we actually, when we stop and think about it, we don't like food waste. The challenge is that we don't stop and think about it often enough. And the reason why we don't like food waste comes down to survival, really. So if you think about it, uh, it's very, very natural to want to preserve and take care of food because food at the end of the day is our life source. And what we like to point out to people, because often people will say to us, um, you know, isn't sort of sharing food a bit weird? Because obviously the Olio app is all about connecting neighbors to share food instead of throwing it away. But what we point out is that human beings have been sharing food for about 2 million years. That has been one of the key factors that has enabled our species to be as successful as we are. We're very unique in that we collaborate and share our life source, this food. Um, and so, as I say, kind of once we give people, once we ask them and invite them to just stop and think, then pretty much everybody gets on board with the fact that we shouldn't be throwing away food. And if we can give it away, we should give it away. And the, the reason why, certainly kind of in our homes, we're throwing away so much food is not because people enjoy it, but because people are no longer connected to their local community. And so we no longer have anyone to give our spare food to. Yeah, that's really, that's really fascinating, actually. There's so many things going on in my head right now. I feel like I've had all my <laughs> learning for the day already. This is brilliant. Um, yeah, we're only seven minutes yeah. in. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, because I was thinking just about that difference between, it's like that stereotypical thing of a parent of you've got to eat everything on your plate almost and things are going to waste. Yeah. But then there's that other angle of then we throw things out of the fridge that are out of date and it's almost contradictory, isn't it? Um, so yeah, it's just set off lots of things in my head. But, yeah, um, I mean, the, the, the fridge is an interesting one because um, someone asked me the other day, they said, well, do you think fridges sort of contribute towards food waste? And I thought, oh, I've never yeah. thought about it like that. And I, I think in many ways, fridges do contribute towards food waste because especially if you have a large fridge, there's a very human tendency to, if you have a large fridge, to fill it with stuff. And the more you fill your fridge, the higher the danger that there's going to be stuff kind of lurking at the back that you're just not going to get around to eating. And what we've found is that because most people don't like throwing away food, what they tend to do is they tend to leave it at the back of their fridge and they sort of know deep down they're not really going to get around to eating it, but they leave it there <laughs> yeah. in the hope that they might. And then eventually it turns so moldy it can almost walk out the fridge by itself. And at that point they throw it in the bin and then they don't feel quite so guilty because, well, no one could have eaten that. And the message that we're trying to make is actually that moment when you've got that little inkling in the back of your mind, you're not really going to get around to eating 
doing it, that's the moment in time in which you need to be honest with yourself and say, Do you know, what? I'm going to give it away to someone who wants this rather than live in this sort of denial uh, mode. But so, so that's kind of often how fridges contribute to food waste, but also fridges can be our greatest friends in preventing food waste because roughly a third of um, all food waste in the home that takes place in a country such as the UK is when people have cooked too much food. And if uh, you instead right. just kind of put that in your fridge or freeze it and eat leftovers, then that's a really, really simple way to reduce the amount of uh, food that your household wastes. Wow. Yeah, that's so true. And well, feeling quite guilty right now. <laughs> you know, that, that absolutely, I'm definitely guilty of a few of these behaviours before. And it's something that in my journey, I've been trying to really look at the food waste um, that we have as a household. Um, yeah, so really some big thinking points there well and yeah and I, I think food waste at, at the household level is it it's definitely an environmental issue but it's also a financial issue as well so households in the UK throw away 14 billion pounds sterling of perfectly good food every year I mean that's sort of 14 billion pounds worth of money that we've worked very hard to get and yet we're sort of tossing it away generally into landfill uh, so there's a massive money saving opportunity here as well and and what that boils down to at a typical family level is that's just over 700 pounds sterling per family per year so there's a lot of money at stake here if you can start to reduce your food waste at home then you'll find yourself with more money in your pocket and I think, Tessa, that's such a good point because there's so many reasons why it is so much better to try and focus on this and, and use all the food we can and share all the food we can. And I guess, you know, you've spent the last seven years building Olio, connecting neighbours, local businesses, you know, really trying to encourage people to share food. I'd love to you to tell us a little bit more about how Olio got started. So the initial idea for Olio came to me through an experience I had seven years ago now. I was living and working outside of the UK and moving back here. And on moving day, the removal men told me I had to throw away all of our uneaten food. Now, I'm a farmer's daughter, so I had, depending upon how you look, look at it, either a well-spent or a misspent youth on my parents' farm working incredibly, incredibly hard to sort of produce the food that we all eat every day. And as a result of that upbringing, I grew up with a pathological hatred of food waste and always went to really quite extreme lengths to not have to throw food away. And what this resulted in was this experience seven years ago when I was moving country, the removal men said I had to throw away all of our uneaten food and I was not prepared to do that. So much their irritation, I stopped packing and instead bundled up my newborn and my toddler and set out into the streets clutching this food, hoping to find someone to give it to. And to cut a long story short, I failed miserably. The lady who was always in this one spot for some reason was not there that day. And so I was unable to give her my food. So I ended up going back to my apartment. And when the removal men weren't looking, I smuggled the non-perishable foods into the bottom of my packing boxes. And I can remember that moment so vividly thinking that I am probably performing a criminal offence right now, but to me it seemed even more criminal to put perfectly good food in the bin when I knew that there was someone, you know, probably within 100 metres of me who would like it. The problem was they just didn't know about it. And at that point in time, I'd spent just over 10 years working in the digital space, and I knew there was an app for everything. 
And I couldn't believe it wasn't a simple app where I could advertise my food to my neighbors and whoever wanted it could pop around and pick it up. That's brilliant. And, and I guess that's that's the thing, isn't it, about finding a real problem that is just an itch that you cannot believe someone else has scratched. And it's incredible what you've built. And I know I've used it a load of times living in London and, and being in a quite a high density area. You know, it seems like within minutes people are very keen to pick stuff up and they and, are and fabulous yeah <laughs> no, you're, you're right. actually right so because uh sort of one of our challenges is that a lot of people think well will anyone really want this when will, will anyone really want my two lemons or will anyone really want these three out of date tins of soup and the answer is a massive resounding yes so half of all the food added to the oleo app is requested within 21 minutes and so there really is sort of no shortage of people who want to get out of the house uh, pop across the road and, and pick up some free food and we also have a non-food section as well so you can give away other household items which could be toiletries or cleaning products or books clothes toys etc kitchen appliances and half of all the non-food items added to the app are requested within four hours. So our number one challenge really is always just encouraging people to kind of give it a go for the first time. And then once they've had that experience of giving something away instead of throwing it away, they're generally hooked because it does feel really good to share. It feels good to not be throwing something in the bin, to be giving something to someone living nearby who wants it or sadly in this day and age maybe even needs it and to also have that opportunity to build a, a connection in your local community and just start to kind of get to know people that way yeah that's that's so true i mean i see it on a smaller scale in you know just the estate i've moved into that it's a new build estate it's still being built even though i've been here four years but we have mm -hmm. an estate page and people you know every day post who wants this school uniform who wants this game yeah you know and, and somebody always says yes and and yeah the there's that saying isn't there just, yeah <laughs> that one man's uh, one man's uh, or one person's uh, trash is another person's treasure and it is just so yeah. true and especially when you've got children who grow out of games grow out of school uniforms and all that stuff that is so you know a lot of people must just dispose of it or just send it to landfill or charity shops and things which obviously charity shops but, yeah, is great they, but Charity shops is great, but often, unfortunately, increasingly, we're seeing people using charity shops as dumping grounds. And yes. charity shops, um, unfortunately, often can't deal with a lot of the stuff um, that, that that they receive. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're just really, really passionate about preventing waste of any variety on the Olio app. Mm. And what we've worked really hard to do is to make the app really simple to use. And so it's a kind of simple, safe, fast and fun uh, and each of those things are really important to us, a way of connecting with your neighbours uh, to, to give stuff away. And then as of about 10 days ago, we launched a new section in the app called Borrow, which connects you with your neighbours so you can lend and borrow everyday household items. Because that's another form of waste is the hundreds of thousands of things they're all sat in our homes gathering dust. Meanwhile, someone two doors down is buying exactly the same things to use for a few minutes to then gather dust in their homes. And the reality is, you know, if we want to solve the climate crisis, we've got to address our consumption problem and we've got to start sort of consuming differently. And we think that sort of giving stuff away and lending and borrow is, is a really powerful way to do that. A hundred percent. 
And I completely agree. And I think that dovetails quite nicely into something I was very keen to ask you about. You recently screened your first television ad campaign, Let's Not Waste Our Wonderful World. And for anyone who's already seen this, it is such a haunting rendition of Louis Armstrong's What a Wonderful World from one of the UK's biggest landfill sites. And, you know, I know as someone who's personally so tapped into the whole problem of the climate crisis and um, and everything about waste and consumption, I found this so chilling and particularly seeing these, these young children singing this song. And um, it's incredibly powerful. And, and Tessa, I'd love to know how have people responded to this campaign? Yeah, um, we, we were so nervous sort of putting it out there because it is really... Uh, emotional it's very hard hitting it's very unvarnished and we just feel like we're sort of standing up and just telling the truth because you know we've all been convinced that it is our jobs to consume to relentlessly consume you know we're we're told to go out and shop Um, and unfortunately the consequence of that is just an enormous 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 amount of waste and when we chuck things in our bins we think it sort of goes away but there is no such thing as a way. It goes to these landfill sites, which are really terrifying things to see. And if you think that we've sort of taken all the beauty of nature and we've turned it into objects which have been used for you know, probably on average kind of 5% of their life, and then we turn them into this trash in a landfill site, it's really, really uh, incredibly distressing. And we've had a, a phenomenally sort of good response to the campaign um, because it's sort of it landed the same week as all of the Christmas ads, many of which are persuading us to go out and buy yet more stuff. Uh, and our our ad stands in very very stark contrast to that. We're trying to show the consequences of all this mindless consumption and the strap line at the end. You know, it, it's it's very simple. It says, "Let's not waste our wonderful world," and then we invite everybody to share more waste less. Uh, And there's uh, a concept which your audience might or might not be familiar with, but which for me really enforces the importance of this message and which when I first heard about it absolutely kind of blew my brains. And this is the concept of Earth Overshoot Day. So Earth Overshoot Day is the day in the year in which humanity has used all the resources that the earth can replenish in a year. And when it was first measured in the late 60s, Earth Overshoot Day was the 31st of December. So what that meant was humanity used in a year what the Earth could replenish in a year. So we were living in equilibrium with nature. If you fast forward to this year, Earth Overshoot Day was the 29th of July. And what that means is that every single thing, that every single one of us, seven and a half billion people, are consuming after the 29th of July is net net depletive to the planet. And that's just a terrifying concept. And whether we like it or not, it is not sustainable. We cannot continue to live in this way anymore. We have got to change our model of consumption. And so we really wanted to use this campaign to hopefully encourage people to stop and think about these things and then consider you know, if they need to consume at all and if they do, well then perhaps can they source it from their local community? Can they get it from a neighbor either for free or can they lend or borrow it instead of buying it brand new? 
it is really staggering when when you really do think about it and when I think you know we're often so far removed from you know the ends of these supply chains or or the end life of what happens to these things mm-hmm. and I think when it is put so starkly in front of us it's incredibly confronting but incredibly necessary I'd love to know you know how are you seeing perceptions change around food waste and consumption what are you seeing what are people saying around that um, and, and what's been happening over time? So we started Olio sort of six years ago, and we could see very clearly that what you know what was going on was wrong and not right. And we always kind of couldn't believe that everyone wasn't screaming from the rooftops about this problem. Uh, and for many years, it did feel like we were sort of yelling into the void a little bit. I think we were early, and people weren't really concerned or or ready to listen to this sort of thing but I have been incredibly heartened over the past sort of 12 24 months really because we've started to see now a sea change in terms of how people are thinking about these things I think that COVID uh, as tragic um, as COVID has been for so so many people um, it has also though really forced us to stop and to think differently about our lives and how we are living. It has encouraged many people to want to connect more with their local community. And I think we have realized in that sort of great pause, there were so many things in our lives that we thought were essential. We thought were critical. And then the minute we sort of jumped off of that treadmill, we realized that actually maybe those things weren't so essential, they weren't so critical. And as the warning signs from the climate crisis have become ever more present and closer to home with the fires and the floods and and these, um, you know, sort of really extreme weather events, I do feel that people are now really starting to wake up quite rapidly to the climate crisis. And it really does feel like the climate crisis is on many people's lips. If you if you watch the television, if you read the newspapers, if you listen to conversations in you know, the playgrounds at school, people are now finally starting to talk about this, which is great news because um, it really is an emergency. And to date, no one has been responding as if it is. And I think the message that I'm really keen to get out there and everyone at Olio is, is that we as individuals do have an enormous role to play. Um, I think it's very easy to feel overwhelmed, frightened, and almost paralyzed in the face of such an enormous systemic problem as, as the climate crisis. And you know, it's not just the climate crisis, it's the climate crisis, it's the biodiversity crisis, it's the resource depletion crisis, it's the inequality crisis we've got. There's lots of crises that are all uh, interlinked. And what I'm trying to uh, encourage people to recognize is that we have incredible agency as individuals. So it's very easy to think, well, what difference do I make? So let's drill down into food waste. People might be throwing away two brown bananas and think, well, what difference does that make? It's just me and it's just two brown bananas. Well, yes, but also in the UK, there's 28 million other households thinking exactly the same thing that week. And so 
by our sort of logic, we think it was billions of small actions that got us into the climate crisis in the first place. And so billions of small actions can help get us out of it. And many, many, many people can start to take action to make a difference. They can take their money. And I do think that money is one of the most powerful things that we have. You know, I encourage everyone to think of every pound they spend as a vote. So you can either vote for the status quo, which is destroying the planet and destroying our children's future, our grandchildren's future, but also it's destroying the livelihoods of millions of people in the present right now. So we can either spend uh, and say, that's okay, I'm happy for that to continue, or you move your money elsewhere and you buy things and support businesses that are wanting to do things differently. And that is the most effective way to drive and initiate and catalyze change. Because if you move your money away from these large corporates, they scrutinize their sales data so closely. And the minute they start seeing money moving, that is when they respond. And so I really just want to encourage everybody to feel empowered to to do their bit. Absolutely, Tessa. And I think one of the huge things as well with individual action is the ripples of change that you can make if you start doing things. And it is absolutely incredible how I've seen this person, you know, as I, you know, became plant-based and, you know, started being out at restaurants or with friends or with family and you start to talk about these things and they're asking you why you're doing it. They're tasting the food. They're Mm -hmm. realising it still is really nutritious and delicious and you start to see they start to do more of it. That's one example. And it's incredible to see that whole ripples idea. And so I think whenever people say individuals can't make a difference, I agree. I always say, yes, they absolutely can. And it's individuals as well who really arc up and and rise to, you know, making systemic change happen. And, you know, you're seeing it at COP26 in terms of the people power on the streets and how much that everyday activism, that is also what spurs ahead world leaders to actually need to do something. So, 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 Yeah. yeah. I think we all really do need to. And and I guess something, Tessa, I would love to ask you is what do you want your legacy to be with Olio and with food waste? So Sasha, my co-founder, and I have set ourselves an enormous, terrifying ambition, which is we want a billion Olioers by 2030. And the reason for that is really, really simple humanity will not stand any chance whatsoever of living in a 1.5 degree warmed world unless we achieve that. And the reason for that is because of just how environmentally devastating food waste is, which we touched on earlier on. But another data point that I didn't share was there's something called Project Drawdown, which stack ranked the top 100 solutions to the climate crisis. And it's made Project Drawdown is a piece of work by hundreds of the world's leading climate change scientists. And they said, yeah, enough of the doom and gloom. What can we do about it? And in position number one, the most powerful lever to uh, mitigating the worst effects of the climate crisis is reducing food waste. And that came above uh, solar power, above electric cars, and above a plant-based diet. So we absolutely have to get you know, a billion plus people giving away their spare food instead of throwing it away. But also more broadly, where we're kind of going with Olio is just about trying to eliminate waste of any variety whatsoever. So without a doubt, mine and Sasha's legacy, and we've both got young children, and so we're very, very motivated by thinking about the world that they are going to be living in. And we really, really want to 
try and play our part in in reinventing how we live, you know, making it more hyperlocal and how we consume and moving that away from sort of the wasteful linear extractive consumption model that we have at the moment and turn it into a circular model, which is all about reuse and repair. Yeah, that's absolutely spot on. And with the way you're going, no doubt you will reach the one billion. It's fantastic. I um, hope so. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Um, A long way to go. A long way to go. Oh, with the work you've been doing, though, and the kind of (laughs) momentum you've been gaining, uh, I think, yeah, it's, it's very inspiring. It's fantastic. But what I would ask you is what would you like to tell the guardians of the next generation then? So the parents, the carers, the extended family, the teachers, the aunties in my case, what would you like to tell them as a party? I would like to tell them that what you do does count. Um, I am terrified of the future. Anytime I go into the science, I start to feel quite panicky and get very, very emotional. So it is an emergency. And that means that we all have to step up and start taking action, not tomorrow or the day after, today. And the single biggest way in which we as individuals can make a difference is through the decisions that we make in our own home. 60% of greenhouse gas emissions are as a direct result of household consumption. That's you, that's me. And I think once you open your eyes to that and realize the power that you have, and the difference that you can make with your spending and your consumption decisions, then actually it becomes really, really engaging. And instead of feeling terrified and overwhelmed, you can feel actually really energized and positive about the difference that you can make. And the other area I always encourage everybody to look at is is their workplace as well. Have this conversation at work because large organizations can impact Uh, people on a scale that is very hard to impact as an individual and I think if you focus on really making sure that we're all talking about this and taking action in your home and at work then humanity will absolutely be able to step up to the occasion and sort this out. Yes and look thank you so much Tessa for coming and speaking with us today because I think talking about these issues talking about the climate crisis is absolutely one of the best things we can do to spread that awareness and spur on more of this action when people really do understand and appreciate more about the urgency and the fact that we can all you know really make change here and take action that not only is part of the solution but also helps you to feel like you have more agency and you have more control and gives you more hope. So Thank you very much for speaking with us today. It's been incredibly eye-opening and um, and inspiring as well. And can't wait to see you hit that one billion number, Tessa. <laughs> yeah, Me too. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us this week. We really hope this episode inspired you. If it did, please review, subscribe and share this episode with a curious friend. It makes it possible for us to keep having these conversations for you. Oh, and check out the show notes for more details on this episode and our guest. And come say hi to us on Instagram over at bethefuture.earth, where we share real tips for real parents and help you to turn eco-anxiety into playful action. Let's hope, act and thrive.